Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, we had a dynamic time today. Easter service was awesome. The Lord Jesus moved in miraculous ways, and I want you to hear the word that was delivered on that day. It was called Victory Over Sin, Death, and the Grave, and I know that you will be richly blessed. But before we get into that message, I want you to hear just a few words from my friends. This is April Denson, the praise and worship leader at Kingdom Rock, where you are loved and accepted. You're invited out to come worship with us. Hi, my name's Connie Kelly. I attend Kingdom Rock Worship Center. I'd like to invite you to come out and join us. Praise God. Hello, my name's McKenna. I attend Kingdom Rock Church, and I'd like to invite you. See you on Sunday at 10. Hi, this is Ken. I'm a member of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. We invite you on Wednesdays and Sundays to come out and worship with us, along with the Stroud family. Thank you very much. Hey. Hey, my name is Ebony. We want to welcome you to come to Kingdom Rock, where Pastor Stroud is an awesome pastor. We will love you anytime, Sundays at 10 a.m. Well, all right. You can join us every Sunday morning for Sunday School at 9 a.m. Sunday morning worship is at 10. And on Wednesday night, we have the Hour of Power starting at 6.30 p.m. All are welcome. Come on in and enjoy Jesus with us. Well, without any further ado, here comes today's message entitled Victory Over Sin, Death, and the Grave, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to start there uh, today. And we're going to speak from the subject of sin, death, and the grave. Sin, death, and the grave. These are three enemies that the Lord Jesus himself defeated for you and I. Sin, death, and the grave. Say with me, sin, Sin. death, Death. and the grave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you get to 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 1 Corinthians 15, I want you to say praise the Lord. Lord. Now, we're going to do just a little bit of reading, then we're going to stop for a moment and we're going to pray. Verse number 12 says, now if Christ be preached, uh, rather, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, let's look at verse 16. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is vain. Yea, uh, rather, ye are yet in your sins. Verse 18. Uh, then uh, they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Verse 19. Uh, if in this life... Only we have hope in Christ. We are all most miserable. Now let's look over to verse number 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the law. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this time, for this opportunity that you've given us to share in your rich word. Lord, we do pray right now that the anointing of your spirit would be present with us. And and Lord, that you would just take over and take control. Lord, that you would just share your truths with your people. And as, Lord, you share your truth, give wisdom, give knowledge, give understanding, give direction, Father. Change our lives today. 
And Father, I pray that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, well, Lord, I decree through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, all sins are forgiven. I decree that by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, sin has been defeated. I decree that by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, death has been defeated. I decree by the shed blood of Jesus Christ that the grave has been defeated. I thank you, Father, that today you have freed mankind as we put our trust and faith in the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, today, and we thank you, Lord, for this miracle that is now uh, present with us. And, Lord, we thank you for your holy angels that are right now in this room. Thank you, Lord, for your angels, your ministering spirits sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. Let every heart say amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Well, let's give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. I want to just, let's go ahead and just bless him. Go ahead and just bless him. Well, I know that the Lord Lord wants me to share with you those truths today that he has defeated, Jesus has defeated sin. He has defeated death and he has defeated the grave. As you see here in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, these are things, this is what the Lord Jesus came to do. If you would turn, you can make special note of this. In Matthew, the first chapter, Matthew uh, 1, it talks about the birth of Jesus Christ. And let's look at verse number 20. You don't have to get it. You can uh, make note of it. Verse Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 says, But while he spake, rather, while he thought on these things, talking about Joseph, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name what? Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save you from your sins. And we see here in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, that Jesus has won the victory through his resurrection. He has won the victory over sin over death and over the grave sin is that uh, is that doorway of temptation it is that act of sin it is that thing that leads us to death what is death death is when a soul is detached from hope death is when that soul is detached from life it is detached it is separated from God it is separated from peace now we're not just talking about a physical death Because understand, this Bible, the Bible does talk about eternity, but it speaks more about time, about how we live here and now. I'm telling you, Jesus has defeated sin, that desire in us, that thing in us that makes us prone to doing things that are wrong. He has defeated death. He has defeated death. And death here again is that is that place that where we are detached or we feel as though we are detached from God. We feel as though we are detached from anything that is good, from anything that is lovely. Death is where we are feel like we are detached from uh, hope. We feel hopelessness, void of power. We are lifeless. So Jesus defeated sin. He also defeated death, that place where we feel lifeless and void of hope. And I'm not sure how many of you feel that way today. That place where you feel like nothing's going well, nothing's going right, nothing is ever going to happen for you. That's a place of death, place that is devoid of life. There is no life. There is no activity. Nothing is moving and nothing is going. Jesus said, I've defeated sin and I also have defeated death. And he also has defeated the grave. The grave is the keeper of the soul. If you would, the grave would be that prison guard. He's the one that keeps people in their place. Not just talking about the physical grave in the graveyard, but there is a place where the souls of men are kept in bondage. They are kept in slavery. They are kept locked, locked away in a hopeless condition called death. Are you hearing me? The dead live in the graves. Who are the dead? They're the ones that are lifeless. They're the ones that are without hope. They're the ones who are without activity, without movement. And the grave holds them there. 
So what Jesus accomplished with his death, burial and resurrection was that he broke the power of sin. He broke the door. He broke the the cause of sin. He broke the temptation. He broke the sin's control over our lives. And then he went in and he broke or destroyed death. The Bible declares that the very last enemy that the Lord is going to destroy is that physical or natural death. But we don't have to wait till we physically or naturally die to experience victory over death. Hallelujah. We can experience victory over death right now. We can experience victory over lifelessness and, and hopelessness and discouragement and worry and stress and strain. And remember, that is death. And what is grave? Grave is the one that keeps us in that place, keeps us locked away in depression, keeps us locked away in hopelessness, keeps you locked away in discouragement, keeps you locked away in lifelessness and inactivity, keeps you locked away in despair. That is what the grave does. It keeps you locked in that condition. But Jesus said, you don't have to wait until you physically die to experience freedom. You can experience it here and here and right now through the power of resurrection. The Lord said again that he has won the victory for us. This victory was not for him. It was for us. He won the victory over sin, over death and over the grave. And we're thankful for it in Jesus' name. So your soul is not meant to remain in a lifeless, worry, frustrated, aggravated, stressed out condition. Why? Because Jesus has already won the victory over it. I thank the Lord Jesus for it. Hallelujah. And the Bible declares also in 1 John, the fifth chapter, you will see there in verses four through five, you will see how those that are born of God have overcome the world. It is the world and its entanglement. It is the world and the sin thereof. It is the world and the guilt and the shame and the agony. He that is born of God, as you are born again, as you receive the finished work of Jesus Christ, God said that you have overcome the world. You have overcome the world. Now let's talk just a moment about that first enemy. Are y'all with me today? I'm going to have to go on today, so I pray that you're listening. Praise God. Let's talk about that first enemy called sin. What do we know about sin? Hebrews 11 chapter verse 25 says that there is pleasure in sin. Sin feels good. I can't get any talk. Sin feels good. It is pleasurable. Sin can also be chosen. The Bible says that Moses chose not. He chose not to to um, enjoy the pleasures of sin that last for a season. We know that here again, sin is pleasurable. It can also be chosen or it can also be dismissed. We know that its effects last only for a short time. We know also that it is highly desired and can become addictive. Isn't that right? Sure it is. We know also that sin desires to control us. We saw that there in the book of Genesis. As sin was crouching at the door waiting to control Cain. We know also that sin produces shame. It produces guilt. It produces condemnation. It produces disappointment. And ultimately it produces death. Death came because of sin. Sin produced death and death produced all the separation from God. Everything that is nasty. Everything that is terrible. Sickness is also a sign of death, depression, anxiety. All these things are a sign of death. We know also that sin uh, has ruined lives. It has ruined homes. It has ruined marriages. It has ruined relationships. It has ruined jobs. It has ruined careers. It has ruined finances and it has ruined health. It has ruined all those things. We know as well that sin, we know, caused the ruin of mankind. It caused us to be eternally separated from God. God says simply, don't do it. But we know that God has broken the power of it through Jesus Christ. 
Isn't that something? Father, we thank you that you have broken the power of sin off of our lives. Lord God, we thank you that you have broken the power of sin off of our lives. And we decree that today in the name of Jesus. We decree it today in the name of the Lord. Now, sin has a path, and we'll talk about that just for a second. Sin has a path. But if you see there, if you look in your Bible, as a matter of fact, you can go ahead and turn it to Romans, the seventh chapter, Romans 7. Romans 7. I want you to see this as well in the Word of God today. Romans, the seventh chapter. You need to know that sin is defeated. God has condemned sin. But why do I still feel it? Why am I still prone? I'm born again. I'm saved. If Jesus has done this, why am I still going through these different things? Why am I still prone to do it? We're going to talk about that today in the word of the Lord. So we know here again that all these negative effects are around sin, but yet and still we run to it. Mankind runs to it, cannot seem to get enough of it. Every chance you get seemed to be running right over to it. Even though we know it is a killer, even though we know that it robs us of life, run to it anyway. And anyone that sins, whether born again or not, saved or, or not, anyone that sins knows the repercussions of it before you do it. No one sins blindedly. Are you hearing all the errors and mistakes that we make in life? Well, especially as it relates to sin, we already know about it before we get there. We already know it. We already know if I say this, this is going to happen. If I do this, this is going to happen. They're going to react this way and this is going to happen. You're, and I'm, you're, we're setting ourselves up for something even before we do it. Yeah, yeah. And what most are hoping is they, they are hoping that um, or most people relate to sin like gambling. They're going to keep on doing it until they crap out. Keep on doing it until they crap out. I got away with it this time. Oh, got it. Seven, seven, seven. Give me some. Give me some. Give me some. Five. All right. I'm all right. All right. And you keep on doing it and you keep on doing it. But eventually, you know, you're going to end up broke and without. Keep on until we crap out. And what happens when people crap out? They lose. Death comes. Jail comes. Hell comes. And I'm not just talking about the one under the earth. Because understand that there is a thing called hell on earth. There is mental torment, mental agony and, and anguish, emotional anguish and torment that uh, has, is really gripping the hearts of men. People are in pain, serious pain today. And are trying their best to medicate that pain trying their best to alleviate the pain by doing all those things called sin they take the ointment of sin they rub it on the pain in their lives they rub it on it but it does not last it numbs it just for a moment but eventually you'll see it actually made the wound worse and the more you rub it on the wound the more the wound gets infected it dulls the pain for a second, but it causes death. It makes the wound larger and wider and wider and wider and causes disease to set in. The more you rub it on there, the more you rub the sin on there, it's actually killing you. Are you hearing? And we see here in Romans the seven, four, uh, Romans the seven chapter, Paul was saying, and I thank God for him. He was saying that he had an issue with sin. He said, when I wanted to do right, evil was present with me. Every time I wanted to do right, I found myself doing wrong. And he found this, found in himself this go in this nature that goes back and forth, back and forth. I want to do right, but oh God, uh, this, this wrong feels so good, but I want to do right. But oh, this wrong feels so good. It has a hold on me. And he says the truth here in verse 24. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? It says in verse 25, I thank God that I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, 
So um, then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, the next chapter over, he goes further into it. Verse number one says, this is Romans eight, verse one. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, this is a condition of life. This is a this is a fact, not so much of a choice. Many people have seen this verse who said there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. They say, well, if you're in Christ, uh, uh, if you're in Christ and you're walking after the flesh, you must not be saved. That's not what this is talking about. He says uh, when he this is a really a an effect in effect, not so much of as a cause. This is like you jumping in the water and you're going to get wet. Spend too much time in the sun and you're, and you're going to get some type of burn. He says, there's no condemnation to, to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not. That is what we do. In Christ, we walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Walking talks about a, a lifestyle, a manner of living. In other words, if we had our perfect way all the time, we would always choose no to sin and yes to God. We would always choose the right way instead of the wrong way. In a perfect world, if we had the, our hand on the switch and there was no temptation, nothing around, we would always choose life in godliness. That's our switch. Are you understanding? As we are born again, as we are born of God, we would choose that. But there are other factors that are coming our way. So he says, for though there is no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, and as a matter of fact, we walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Our journey is headed toward the spirit. Our journey is toward God. Our face is toward the Lord. But we fall sometime in the journey. We fall. We fall to the ground. We fall to our knees. We fall in temptation and sin, but our face is still set toward the Lord. Our desire is not walking after flesh. Our back is not our back is not turned to God. No, our face is turned toward the Lord. You understanding? Our walk is toward the spirit. Our walk is toward God. And as we walk toward the Lord, the Bible says here again, those who are born of God, those who are born again, we walk after the spirit. In other words, our face is set toward him. But from time to time, we do fall. But as we fall, we repent, we get back up, and we follow in the way. And as long as we do that, the scripture says there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation because our face is not set toward the enemy. Our face is set toward God. Are you hearing me? So there are going to be mistakes. There are going to be errors. But understand, here's the good news. Jesus has already defeated sin. Jesus has already defeated death. And he has already defeated the grave. Now, what does that mean in this context? Again, death is that place of discouragement. It is like that holding cell of discouragement. Death is that place of lifelessness, of hopelessness, of despair, of doom, of gloom, of agony. And the grave is like that keeper, is that jail cell keeper, is that prison guard that keeps you locked away in that condition. But Jesus said, as you receive me as your Lord and Savior, I not only have defeated sin, but I also have taken away death. That is the thing, the prison that have held you in that place. And I have also defeated the grave, the guard that tried to restrain you in that place. That means that through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, each born again believer has the ability to rise again. You may, as we're walking toward the Lord, as we're seeking his face, we fall, but he has given us the ability to rise again. Every single time as you are in Christ, you have the ability to rise again every single time. 
That's why he says that in Christ there is no condemnation because he's given you the ability to rise again. It is if he has put springs on your knees. You're walking toward God, living a, a right, right lifestyle before him and you've fallen into sin. But no sooner as you fall into sin, your knees hit the ground and you spring right back up and you continue on your walk with the Lord. This is why he says there is now no condemnation because you can't stay down. You won't stay down in that mess. Are you hearing me? He has given us the ability to spring back into proper fellowship and relationship with him. Now, the Bible says in verse number two, in verse uh, chapter eight, Romans eight, verse two, it says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has has made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse three. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned the sin in the flesh. Verse four, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who here again, this is the effect. This is the effect who walk not after the flesh. But after the spirit, here again, what does it mean to walk after the spirit? My face is set toward God. And as our faith is set, as our face is set toward God, sometime we're going to fall. Sometime we're going to, we're going to run over something. We're going to, we're going to have a misstep, but don't worry. The Lord has given us the ability to rise again. Now, what sin does also, it will, if we partake of it, it will clog our ears from hearing God. It will mar our soul. Even though that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and that is a fact that cannot be changed once you receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. Even though that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, when we partake of sin, it can mar our soul. It can make you feel nasty. It can make you feel gross. It can make you feel dirty on the inside. It can make you feel that God is somewhere way off somewhere yonder and you're there by yourself. When sin gets in, it has the ability to lie to you and tell you that God has left you and you'll actually begin to believe it. If sin gets in, if we hear his voice, he'll, he'll, he has the ability to really convince us, even though he is defeated. Now, let me show you this in verse number three again. It says, for, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son. Remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. That's what happened there on the cross. He died as our sin offering. Uh, he was judged. God judged the, the sins of all humanity in the body of Jesus Christ. He came to be our sin offering. And listen, it says, and for sin, condemned sin. Now, if you look at the word condemned, condemned uh, is a term that is used in the court of law. Right. It is a judgment passed by a judge. It is a verdict, a decree passed by a judge. So when the Bible says that God condemned sin in the flesh, he was saying that, that if you look at this, look at this and, and use your natural understanding or, or use your imagination, so to speak. See God sitting high on his throne and he finally has an opportunity to grab a hold of sin. And he does it. And as he does this in the body of Jesus Christ, he condemned sin. In other words, he broke its power. He broke its influence. He broke its control over us. He picked it up by the neck and shook it real good. He condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, he broke its power, dominion, and control over us. Let me read this to you out of the Amplified Bible. The last part says, and uh, verse 3, it says, God condemned sin in the flesh. That is, he subdued it, overcame it, deprived it of its power over all who accept the sacrifice. He deprived it of its power over all who accept the sacrifice. He deprived sin of its power over all those 
who received the sacrifice. One more time. He deprived it of its power over all who received the sacrifice. In other words, if you have received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, God has already shaken sin's control. He has broken its control over your life. He did it from his throne. He condemned it as the high judge. Sin has no more power over the born again believer. None whatsoever. Now, if you're not born again, if you're not saved, sin has not been derived of its power over you. You'll find that those, you'll find many of those people that are in the world, they go up and, and they, they shoot people and they do all these terrible things and you see them on the news and they say, I don't know why I did that. I don't know what came over me. I don't know what did it. I don't know what happened because they don't know because sin has not been derived of its power in their lives. But for us who have received the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, God said that I have broken the power of sin off of your life. Jesus said, I broke it. 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 This is the decree of heaven. God condemned sin, condemned sin himself. He broke its power and influence off of our lives. It's done. Say with me, it's done. I'm telling you, it's done. Now, I want you to know the path of sin as it relates to you, born again believer, as it relates to you, because sin has a path. And in this path, we'll also understand how we can um, how we can keep it defeated and subdued and under our feet. Sin is a defeated foe. Remember, as we talked about, sin has a personality. It is actually a being. Remember in the book of Genesis, the Bible declares that sin, the Lord told Cain, uh, Cain, sin lieth at the door. It is crouching at the, at the door and it desires to have you. Sin has a mind, it has a will, and it wants to dominate and control your life. It wants to destroy you. The main focus of sin, the purpose of sin is to destroy. It comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's and it's a uh, bait is pleasure. It tries to bait you in with pleasure. It tries to bait you in with the shortcut. It tries to convince you that its way is a better way. Choose this. Choose this. But and all the while it knows that once you choose this, it's going to destroy your marriage. It's going to destroy your finances. It's going to destroy your home. God said, I've seen how this thing called sin has destroyed many lives. And in the body of Jesus Christ, as Jesus Christ came as an offering for our sins, in the body of Jesus Christ, the Bible declares that God condemned it. He stopped it right in its tracks and decreed that it will no longer have power, nor authority, nor dominion over the body of Jesus Christ. No more will it rule his people. No more will it rule his people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I want you to notice the path of sin and we're beginning to close shortly. Sin entered in through knowledge. If we look back in the book of Genesis, sin entered in through knowledge and knowledge birthed desire and desire birth or produced the act. Sin entered in through knowledge. What happened? The devil told Eve, he said, come here, shout it. Shout it. Come here. Come here. Let me tell you something. Psst, come here, come here. Yes. Hey, God said, girl, you know, you know what God said. God said, if you, if you eat that, that fruit, you know, you know, you're going to, you're going to look good, girl, if you eat it. Oh, really? Yeah, God knows if you eat that, you know, you're going to know good and evil. I'm telling you, girl. Really? Yes. Okay, I'll try it. Adam, honey, dinner's on. I made you some pie. <laughs> no, but you understand what we're talking about, right? Seeing it in through knowledge. 
she began to think about it. And those thoughts began to birth a desire. Hmm. And that desire produced an act. But the same way it comes in, in like manner, it also goes out. Understand something that sin will also exit through truth. Truth births understanding and understanding uh, and experience produces growth and growth is the maturity and growth is our maturity in Christ. Or we can say growth is maturity in Christ. So the, so the more truth you understand and experience, the more you will become like him. And the more you become like him, the less you will desire the things of this world and the more you will desire him. The Lord said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Truth is housed in the soul. Desire is also housed in the soul. The more truth of God's word you feed on, the more truth of God's word you engraft, you're allowed to be engraft into your soul. You're allowed to become a part of you. The more of his truth become, that becomes a part of you, the less you will desire the things of this world and the more you will desire him. And the more you desire him, the less you desire the things of this world. Are you understanding? Sin is a result in the life of a, of a born, born again believer. We say, why am, all right, I'm saved, I'm born again, but why do I still desire to sin? Why do I still have these feelings? Why do I, why am I still tempted in this way? That, the answer to that is simply this. We have not matured. We have not yet matured in these areas. And maturity is brought about by knowledge and understanding of the word of God. The more you allow his truth to come into you and penetrate your soul, the less you want the things of this world. So if there's a Christian that is really carnal. They're really carnal and they, they're really worldly. All that means is that they are really immature. That they are really babes. And that they're still allowing the old tricks of the enemy, his old pickup lines. Hey, baby, where you been? I know you must be tired, baby. Why is that? Because you've been running through my mind all day. They're still allowing the devil's old pickup lines to pull them away from Christ. But see, I, I, I pray that some of you ladies, I, I pray that you don't allow the devil with these lines to come and pick you up and, and lure you away from your husband, Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? You see, you see because the, the simple minded will get these tricks and, and oh, okay, the simple minded will, will, will fall to that. But the more you grow and develop, you say, well, you, do you have a job, baby? No, I have no job. I want to live with you. Mm-hmm. The more you understand that, no, 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 I'm worth more than that. I'm worth more than that. Because every sin that comes your way, this is not something that is new. It comes in the same way every single time. It comes with the same old tricks. It's like an old sitcom. You know what's going to happen. You know the line. You know it all so well. But the only way you're going to stop that from happening if you're born again believer is that you've got to grow out of that. You've got to mature out of that in Christ. Because understanding the truth of God is housed in your soul. And the more of God's word you receive in your soul, the more it becomes a part of you, the less you will want those things of the world. Are you hearing now, you know, just as good and well, and if you're closing, you know, just as good and well, whether you've heard something or not, you know, just as good and well, if you're receiving this or not, what we're doing at this very moment, you know, just as good and well, if you're going to receive your Bible or not, if you are a believer, you can, a born again believer can reject the word. You can reject the word. I don't want to hear that. He's not talking about what I want to hear today. I don't hear, I don't hear that. I don't hear, I don't hear that. You can reject the word. Are you hearing me? Oh, that word can fall on your heart like stony ground. Even though you're saved, you can still sit up in church and reject the word. Even though you're saved, you cannot go to church. And what's happening as a result of that? As a result of that, you are opening the door 
to sin to have dominance and control over your life. As a result of that, you're opening yourself up to the influence of sin. And what it's trying to do is entangle your soul. And once your soul, now here again, you can be saved and your soul can still be tangled. Entangled with the things of this world. Don't you know that there are born again, born again believers who are emotionally disturbed, who are mentally disturbed? Is that God's fault? Absolutely not. It is their choice because this is the way they've chose to live. Let me give you an example. Abraham was righteous. Isn't that right? But so was his nephew Lot was also righteous. The Bible talks about Lot being righteous. We know that he was righteous because the angels went into Sodom and Gomorrah and they could only find one man righteous and that was Lot. And they, so they pulled him out of that so that they could destroy the land. Before a lot went into Sodom and Gomorrah, he had just as many or uh, cows and calves and servants and all that as Abraham had. Matter of fact, they had so much together that they had to separate. So here was Abraham righteous and here is Lot righteous. Abraham's end was great. He had a he had a Sarah died. He had another wife and had more children. Are you hearing me? But Lot didn't fare so well. Lot's in, his children raped him, and so he was actually the father and grandfather of his children. Are you hearing? Lot's life, the, the five kings came in and stole Lot and his family out of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham had to come and rescue him and pull them back out. But when Lot got out of Sodom and Gomorrah, after, rest, after Abraham rescued him, what happened? They built Sodom and Gomorrah right back up, and Lot went right back in there. Until the day that it was leveled by God's judgment. You can live like Lot or you can live like Abraham. You can be righteous and still live in Sodom. That is your choice. Look at the children of Israel as they walked out of, uh, as they walked out of Egypt, going in through the promised land. They were all baptized there in the Red Sea. All walked through the water. Hallelujah. All walked through the water. But some of them, even though they had walked the walk and they were talking to talk and they were praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Some of them still decided, I don't want this. I don't want this. And God gave them a choice. Now, those in that group that were truly saved, so to speak, truly, truly, we can't say born of God because they weren't at that time, but those who were truly believers pulled away and they followed Moses. When Korah began to rise up and said, Moses, we don't want you as our leader. We want to go back to Egypt. All those with Korah, stay over there on that side. Everybody with Moses, come over here on this side. Listen, those that were in, in the middle those that said, well, I want the pleasures of Egypt, but I want to follow God. At that moment, they made it. They made a decision. They made a decision. They followed God. Those that just simply wanted the pleasures of Egypt that wanted to follow Korah. The Bible declares that the earth opened up and swallowed them all. And they all went down into hell. Are you understanding? Now, what are we saying? Now, the New Testament, we see in the book of Corinthians, Paul, the Lord, Paul, through the spirit of the Lord is, is telling us all the believers in the churches. Hey, y'all got to wake up from this. He tells them in Revelation, the second chapter, I believe, verse number four, uh, where he speaks to the church and says, hey, you have lost your first love. You have left your first love. Now, were they born again? Absolutely. But they had left Jesus. They had, they let their carnal desires run away with them. They ceased to hear the voice of the spirit and they were listening to that fallen, to that fallen spirit sin. They spent more time in carnal things. And don't you understand the more time you, you feed yourself with these worldly things, the stronger the influence of sin will be over your life, even though it is defeated. The more time you, you spend watching pornography, the more time you, you spend hanging around friends that you know are no good, who are cussing, fussing, shooting, rooting, tooting, pooting, whatever. The more time you spend around them, the more you will become like them. You will become like what you behold. Are you understanding this? 
you will feed in your soul all those things that will entangle your soul. All those things that will entangle you. Now, the soul is only so big. I don't know if, the, if it's, the Bible does not tell us the exact volume of the soul, but the soul can only house so much. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's talking about the soul. Out of the abundance. You can't get abundance out of something that has no bottom, that, that, that is limitless. Out of the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of the soul. In other words, what you put in your soul is what's going to come out of your soul and going to manifest in your life. So if you fill your soul with worldly things, you will find your soul will be entangled. Your soul will be entangled and ensnared and you'll come to the altar needing deliverance, being born again and needing deliverance. Why you need deliverance? Because we've allowed all these worldly things to come in through the door and entangle our soul. By the same token, we can allow the word of God to come in. And as the word of God comes in, it begins to free our soul. It begins to free the soul. And a soul that is free from those entanglements is one that will receive real life. And let me show you this last thing here. They're going to close out for the day. And I'll do something for you that the devil won't do. I'll leave you alone. Romans 8 verse 12 says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Do you hear that? Being he says, wherefore, brethren, those of, you, those of you that are born again, you don't owe your flesh anything. You don't have to obey its dictates or desires. Why? Because God condemned sin. Now sin has no more control over you and you don't have to pay it as if it's a debt. Are you hearing? He says, for if ye live after the flesh, you shall die. That is some form of death will come. Some form of death will come. But if you through the spirit, through the Holy Spirit, do mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. You shall live. Now, this phrase, you shall live, means to have real life. It means to be active. It means to be powerful. Hallelujah. He says, if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of your body. In other words, if you allow the Holy Spirit to mortify or put to death those desires that we have allowed to come in. If you allow the Holy Spirit to put those things to death, God said real life, enjoyable life, active life will then begin. Are you hearing? You want to live real life? Then allow the Holy Spirit to put those things to death. Allow the Holy Spirit to put those evil desires to death. He says, for as many as are led by the sons, led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And it goes on down. It goes further on down. We don't have, I can't get it all to you today. I'm not going to try to either. But the Bible also declares that here again, that, um, well, I guess we will get this. First Corinthians, you don't have to get it. Let me just quote it to you. First Corinthians 9. First Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verse number nine says this. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? I'm stopping right there. The unrighteous are, yes, are those that are not born again or those who have not been made right. But it's also those who do unrighteously, who have a lifestyle of doing unrighteously. God said, if you continue to do unrighteously, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, there is some portion that that is in the kingdom of God that is meant for you that you won't possess because of this unrighteousness that is still going on in the life. Think about it. Now understand something. If sin gets control of you, if, if we allow sin in, its intent is to dominate us and to become our master. Now, sin is the enemy of God, right? All right. So if we allow sin to be our master, that word, in other words, if, if we allow sin to be our master, it will control and influence everything that we have. So if God gives you the blessing And if sin is still controlling you, then that means that he has placed the blessing in the hands of sin. Are you hearing? So if the Lord knows that our lives are dominated and controlled by sin, if we allowed it to happen, 
then that means that he's going to hold the blessing back from you, not because he doesn't want to bless you, but because he doesn't want sin to lay hold of the blessing and control it. The blessing is for you. It's not for sin. So the Bible declares again that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, those who do unrighteously, they won't receive the portion that is allotted to them. Not because God doesn't love you, not because he doesn't want to bless you, because he does. But he does not want sin to control it. Let me give you an example of that. God said, all right, I want to give you $20,000 right now. But if sin is dominating your life, if sin is controlling your life, you may kill yourself with a $20,000 or hurt somebody else in the process. What? Because sin will have control of that $20,000 of that blessing. Sin would control it. Are you hearing me? And if there's a habit or addiction in play, that could kill you. You could overdose because of the blessing that God allowed to come into your hands while sin was still in control. Does that make sense to you? So it behooves us not to allow sin to dominate or to rule over our lives. It behooves us to allow the Holy Spirit to mortify the deeds of our body. It behooves us to do this and to cut off all this other mess and entanglements to stop feeding our soul the things of the world and feed our soul the word of God. Because the more of God we have in us, the more the promise and the blessing, the inheritance that he will release to us. Because he knows that sin does not control you, but he knows that the spirit controls you. And if he gives you, if he gives $20,000 to you, and if you are led or controlled by the Holy Spirit, he knows that he can get it to whosoever else he wants to. You understanding? So if he can get it to you, he knows that he can get it through you. Are you understanding? So, wrapping up in a whole big old nutshell, you control the flow of blessings of God in your life. You do. You do. If sin is dominating and controlling, you may get a drop of, you'll get a little medicine dropper. Beep. Because that's all that he can trust you with. That's all. So, if you want to live a carnal, worldly lifestyle, you'll still get blessed. You'll still get a raise or whatever. You'll still get something because God loves you. But you won't get the fullness of it because he knows he can't trust you with it because of that. But when that gets out of the way, here comes the floodgates. It's going to open up. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We're done in Jesus' mighty name. We'll stop right there. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.